You're listening to Healthy House Calls with Angel, part two of The Lab Report. We're going beyond the cholesterol panel, giving you everything you need to know to build a stronger heart and sharper brain with functional medicine. We're getting you fit and functional for life. Hello, welcome to Healthy House Calls with Angel. I am your host, Angel Shannon, giving you tips, tools, and holistic strategies to live a healthier life by intentional design. Join me as we explore the landscape of lifestyle medicine, offering practical tips that help you eat, sleep, move, and live better, and help you become fit and functional for life. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Healthy House Calls with Angel Part 2, where we are going beyond the cholesterol panel. We're talking about everything you need to know to build a healthier heart and sharper brain. Thank you for tuning back into this Part 2. Now, if you are brand new to Healthy House Calls with Angel and the Fit and Functional for Life community, I've got to tell you exactly why We call it Fit and Functional for Life. If you are brand new, I want you to know we are a community that believes first and foremost that good health is the first wealth. And because of that, we declare our physical, mental, and spiritual well-being to be our single most important priority. We value knowledge, wisdom, and most importantly, personal transformation. We take our health into our own hands by being informed and empowered, taking action and holding ourselves accountable. We are busting the burnout. I want to say that again. We are busting the burnout. If we fell off the wagon, we're getting back on. We are getting back on the wagon. We're prioritizing rest, movement, mindfulness, optimal nutrition, spiritual growth, and get this, meaningful work that aligns with our life's purpose. In a nutshell, we are a community that desires to be fit and functional, not just for a day, not just for an event, but fit and functional for life. So thank you so much for tuning in. Let's jump right into this part two of Beyond the Cholesterol Panel. So if you're that person who goes to your doctor, nurse practitioner, healthcare provider every single year. And every single year, that person gives you a lab order, CBC, vitamin D, lipid panel, gives you all of these good labs. You trot off to the lab, you get them done, you get your results, you come back, you see your provider and the person says, oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And you say, yay, great. Everything's fine. And you go home this episode is for you. If you're that person who goes to your doctor, nurse practitioner, healthcare provider every single year and gets that lab order and you come back and that person says to you, oh, I got to tell you, everything kind of looks good, but you've got borderline high cholesterol or borderline high blood pressure or borderline diabetes. This episode is is for you because I don't want you to leave another appointment. I don't want you to leave another appointment without knowing what borderline means, especially as it pertains to your cholesterol. I want you to know 
what that lipid panel means specifically. I want you to know the power that lies in knowing that lipid panel specifically. And more importantly, I want you to take massive action this month. March is National Nutrition Month. February was National Heart Disease Awareness Month, Heart Health Awareness Month. These two months together, 60 days or so, your window of opportunity to take massive action on your heart by knowing this one thing that we're going to talk about today. So let's jump right in. Let's talk about what this cholesterol stuff actually is. What is cholesterol? Let's go back to 101, okay? Cholesterol is a waxy, fatty substance or molecule that's necessary for normal cellular function. Cholesterol gets a really bad rap. So let's talk about what it is. It forms the membrane of our cells and it helps maintain the fluid balance of the cell membrane. So every cell in your body has cholesterol. It's found in every cell of the human body. It gets a really bad rap, which is quite sad because it's actually a critical precursor to something else that's really important, vitamin D. It's a precursor for cortisol, aldosterone, and guess what, folks? It is a precursor for the sex steroid hormones. So we're talking testosterone, we're talking progesterone, we're talking estrogen. You need cholesterol in order to make a robust amount of those very important hormones. It's also a precursor to bile, which is a digestive fluid that's produced by the liver and stored in the gallbladder. Okay. So cholesterol is really super important. I don't want you to get wigged out about cholesterol being bad anymore, right? Your brain is made up of healthy fat. So you need cholesterol also for a healthy brain. But we're going to dive in further so that you know how much cholesterol you actually should have, where it comes from, and all of that good stuff. So let's keep going. We get cholesterol in two different ways. One, cholesterol can be made in the liver and intestines. And then two, it's obtained through our diet. So our bodies are so super smart. They're not going to rely on us to eat the right things, right? So there's always like a backup plan in the body and cholesterol being made in the liver and intestines is really super genius, I think. Cholesterol production is so important that your liver and intestines make about 75 to 80% of the cholesterol that you need in order to be functional. Okay. So that's why we talk about fit and functional, right? So 75 to 80% of the cholesterol you need to stay healthy is produced in the liver and the intestines. Only 20% or so comes from the food that you eat. Most of the circulating cholesterol is made in the liver through an enzyme that's called HMG-CoA. Okay, HMG-CoA reductase to be exact, which is the target for the cholesterol lowering drugs called statins. Isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. So that's where cholesterol comes from. Now, since cholesterol is a fat, it needs help moving through the bloodstream. Or if it didn't have the help that it has, it would wind up looking like the turkey fat or bacon fat 
that when it cools off, floats in the pot of water. And we don't want it to look like that. So think about a piece of bacon, like frying a piece of bacon and then letting the pan sit and then putting water in that. That's what cholesterol would look like if it didn't have the molecules that it has to get help get it some help to move around. So to get around this problem, the body packages cholesterol and other lipids into these tiny, tiny, tiny protein covered particles that mix very easily with blood. And these tiny particles are called lipoproteins, lipoproteins, lipoproteins. I call them lipoproteins. That is a lipid plus the protein. Remember, lipo or lipid means fat. So fat plus protein moves cholesterol and other fats throughout the body. And lipoproteins come in a range of sizes and shapes, and each one of them has their own responsibility. So let's talk about that. There are five main types of lipoproteins, and these are the ones that are going to show up on your cholesterol panel. That lab order that most healthcare providers will be giving you this time of the year called the lipid panel or cholesterol panel. First type, chylomicrons. They're large particles that mainly carry triglycerides. Those are the fatty acids that come from your food. They're made in the digestive system, so they are obviously highly influenced by what you eat, okay? The second type that's going to show up on your lab report, VLDL. That's the very low-density lipoproteins. These are also particles um, that carry triglycerides to tissues. They are made in the liver. Okay. They're made in the liver. The third type is called intermediate density lipoproteins or IDL particles. And these form as the VLDLs give up their fatty acids. So the VLDLs give up their fatty acids. Some are removed rapidly by the liver and some are changed over into the fourth type, which is the LDL or low density lipoprotein. Now, LDL is known as the bad cholesterol, and there's a reason why they're called that, because the LDL is what delivers cholesterol to the tissues, to the arteries, as we talked about in the first episode, in part one. And it's strongly associated with the buildup of artery clogging plaque. So if you're tuning into this part two and you've not listened in on part one, I want you to stop right now. Go back, listen to part one, because all of this will make sense in part two for you. Okay. The last type, type number five, HDL or high density lipoprotein. These particles are called the good cholesterol because some of them remove cholesterol from the circulation, from your blood, from the artery walls, and actually take it back to the liver for the liver to get rid of it. Isn't that fascinating. So that's why we love HDLs for the most part. And we don't like the LDL. We really don't like the LDL. And you'll learn why in just a little bit. Each lipoprotein contains cholesterol, protein, and a triglyceride. And it's the proportion of those ratios of protein to lipid that determines their density. So that means that that ratio determines whether that lipoprotein is high density or low density. So that's that's what that density part is all about. So let's get into 
this lab report just a little bit more. Let's talk about one of the first lipid molecules that we really need to be concerned about, and that is triglycerides. Okay. Triglycerides are the most common fat in the body, and they do something really important. They store the excess energy that's obtained from the diet. They make up about 90% of dietary intake, and they comprise 85% of the fat that's stored in the tissues. Now, triglycerides, I want you to hear me when I say this, triglycerides all by themselves, forget about the rest of the panel, triglycerides all by themselves are considered an independent marker of cardiovascular disease and that atherosclerosis that I spoke about in part one, atherosclerosis risk. And they are part of the diagnostic criteria for met, uh, metabolic syndrome. This is why we tune into these triglycerides so much. Like it is a huge marker on your cholesterol panel. We check this level. We check this cholesterol panel fasting. And the reason uh, for that is because triglyceride levels may be increased in the, the post meal state, depending on the amount of fat that's consumed, the time of the last uh, meal. So if triglyceride levels are really high with a non-fasting panel, we usually want you to go back to the lab and get that done because it's really super important to know what those triglycerides are when you are fasting. I want to repeat this. I want to repeat this because I want you to hear what I'm saying. Triglycerides all by themselves are an independent marker of cardiovascular disease risk and the risk of atherosclerosis. High levels of triglycerides are strongly associated with uh, cardiovascular disease, coronary heart disease, even, uh, and especially if, I'm sorry, especially if the HDLs are low. Okay, there are medications that can lead to elevation in uh, triglycerides, and I don't want to get into that too much, but just because that's a question you should really address with your doctor and or pharmacist, but just know that medications can cause triglyceride levels to be higher. So let's keep marching through this cholesterol panel and talk about the other numbers. Next up is the LDL. The LDL, let's talk about this, is a form of cholesterol that can deposit plaques in the arteries and that can lead to atherosclerosis, coronary artery disease, so that's disease within the little arteries that are outside the heart itself on the outer aspect of the heart, as well as um, vessels that are inside the heart as well, um, buildup of LDL plaques can also lead to stroke, peripheral artery, peripheral vascular disease. LDL is about 60 to 70% of the circulating cholesterol. And when it gets oxidated, when it gets this term called oxidated or released, for lack of a better term, activated, if you want, I don't want to get too sciencey here. Um, but when it gets oxidated, it dramatically increases the risk of atherosclerosis. And this is why those medications called antioxidants, not medications, I should say the supplements and foods, antioxidants are so important for preventing that 
LDL oxidation because it creates a condition called a pro-inflammatory state. Okay. So what does this mean? Diets that are high in saturated fats and trans fats are what lead to higher LDL levels. And our main focus of treatment, our main focus of treatment when we see an LDL elevation is to prevent LDL oxidation by fine-tuning the body's defense mechanism. So what are those defense mechanisms? Here again, if you've not listened to my episode on my podcast episode last season on antioxidants and antioxidizing your way to wellness, now's a good time to bookmark that episode and go back and listen to that. This is why antioxidant-rich diet and antioxidant supplements Yes, I said it, supplements, because no one's diet is 100%. This is why antioxidant defense mechanisms are so important because those antioxidants defense enzymes, superoxide dismutase, catalase, glutathione, alpha, uh, alpha tocopherol, and ubiquinol, all of those enzymes are so important for preventing oxidation of LDL which actually sets those free radicals off and running to the races. And that sets up, uh, sets our bodies up for heart disease and all kinds of other very, very unhealthy conditions. So next up, HDL. Remember that I said earlier, cholesterol can't be broken down and it's used as an energy source in the human body. So here's where HDL comes into play. HDL's job is to carry LDL cholesterol away from the arteries and back to the liver where the LDL can get broken down and excreted in that substance called bile. This is why higher HDL levels are considered protective, heart protective, and good cholesterol. HDL needs something, needs a friend to help it do its job. And the friend that HDL calls on is something called apolipoprotein A1. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Okay. HDL also has huge antioxidant properties and it prevents LDL oxidation. So it, it, it prevents that liberating of the oxygen that changes the molecule, oxidizes LDL, it prevents that. So why do we love HDL so much and why do we want more HDL? It's because of its job in actually carrying LDL cholesterol away, away, away from the arteries and back to the liver. What actually increases HDL? Guess what? Diet and exercise. Diet Your diet, what you eat and exercise increases the antioxidant activity of HDL, whereas things like smoking, diets that are high in saturated fat, they actually reduce the antioxidant activity of HDL, okay? There are health conditions that also can diminish the antioxidant capacity of HDL. And those 
are mainly those inflammatory diseases. So things like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, iron deficiency, anemia, PCOS, and also postmenopausal women. So it's important to know, again, this is where lifestyle medicine is such a huge opportunity to make a difference in your health. Okay, to make a difference in your health at this cellular level. And this is why I call this podcast, you know, Healthy House Calls with Angel, because I'm coming to you with a house call with this information. This is why we call it the fit and functional for life community so that you can understand what your body's function is, how it is functioning so that you can make different choices about your health and well-being. Higher levels of HDL concentration are, according to the research, correlated with a decreased risk of atherosclerosis. There are also some medications that are known to increase HDL um, levels, and those are some of the steroids, um, estrogen for one, androgens for two, uh, but a low HDL level can increase the risk of atherosclerosis when the LDL itself is high. Um, another thing that lowers HDL cholesterol is carbs. Carbs and those trans fats, this is why you want to be looking at those food labels you want to be really, really reading those food labels to see how much carb is in what you're eating, carb counts, as well as the trans fat content. Okay, so going to keep going here on your lab report. What you're going to see is you're going to see all three of those numbers together, all of the numbers that I just mentioned together. You're going to see something called total cholesterol, and that is the VLDL, the LDL, and the HDL. All three of those together comprise the total cholesterol. But here's what's important to know. It's not so much that, well, let me say this, the total cholesterol is really important, but one of the things that we're learning in the research is that there are other numbers that we should be looking at, um, and that is the cholesterol ratios. Lipid ratios are really helpful for determining the risk, the risk of atherosclerosis and cardiovascular disease, as opposed to just looking at those numbers individually. When you look at the ratios, you're able to make some different predictions based on the clinical research that we have now. So again, in this lab report, what will be listed, hopefully, if it's been you know ordered correctly, the lipid panel, is a ratio, first and foremost, the triglycerides to HDL. It'll show up as triglycerides slash HDL, okay? And that basically is a ratio that's been shown to predict both metabolic syndrome risk and cardiovascular disease risk. It is also associated with insulin resistance or prediabetes diabetes state. High triglycerides and a low HDL contribute to increased heart disease risk. And it's this 
triglyceride slash HDL ratio that is a better cardiovascular disease risk predictor versus just the LDL by itself. So what am I saying? I'm basically saying that an elevated ratio of triglycerides to HDL puts you at a increased risk of metabolic syndrome and cardiovascular disease. So that is a really super important ratio to tune into on your cholesterol panel report. You also want to be looking at the total cholesterol um, and HDL ratio. So it's total cholesterol slash HDL. And this ratio was actually developed by a really important study called the Framingham Study. And that data revealed um, that this ratio was um, is actually a better predictor of cardiovascular heart disease, coronary heart disease, compared to the individual lipid values themselves, okay? So the higher the total cholesterol to HDL ratio, the greater the risk for developing atherosclerosis, according to the data and the research found in that Framingham study, okay? Low levels of this ratio Um, A low ratio indicates relatively higher HDL, which actually has a protective cardiovascular effect. So the lower this ratio is, it's believed that that is a more protective cardiovascular state or heart health state. And again, it's really super important to assess overall conditions, uh, concentrations of cholesterol and evaluate all of the ratios together. Okay, so that's that about ratios. I want to get back to something that I mentioned earlier about HDL and the little friend that the HDL needs in order to carry the cholesterol, the LDL, back to the liver. So let's talk about one that is really super important. And this is why this podcast is dedicated to education dedicated to education because I really do want you to understand how to take your preventive health strategies to the next level, to move you beyond the line of fine, to really understand these risk factors and understand this at like the most biological, chemical level you could ever possibly need to know. But it's important for you to know. So Let's talk about this thing called lipoprotein A. Lipoprotein A is a form of LDL or low-density lipoprotein in which another protein called APOA is attached to the LDL particle as it carries cholesterol around in the body. Okay, having an elevated level of lipoprotein A raises a person's risk of heart attack and stroke beyond just the elevated LDL cholesterol alone. Let me say that again. Having an elevated level of lipoprotein A raises a person's risk of heart attack and stroke and atherosclerosis beyond what is normally seen at just the LDL alone. Okay. That is big. That is really, really big because that's saying that beyond the LDL, There's something else at play here, something else that may be increasing the risk of heart attack, stroke, atherosclerosis that we talked about 
Okay, so it's important to isolate and understand and investigate this thing called lipoprotein A. It is not on a standard cholesterol panel. It is an additional lab test. Lipoprotein A, elevated levels of lipoprotein A are usually inherited from one parent. And statistically, according to the research, one in four people in the population are believed to have elevated blood levels of lipoprotein A. Here's what's also important. African-Americans may have higher levels, purely genetics, okay? Besides genetics, lipoprotein A levels can also be elevated by way of some types of fats in the diet and also some medical conditions, some different medical conditions, okay? So that is important to know. Because it's important that you understand, gee, is my risk even higher because of something else? And and here's the other thing that's important that I find very fascinating. Statins or those cholesterol-lowering medications don't lower lipoprotein A levels. So what I'm saying here is you can be taking all the medication that you need to take, but there may be other factors that need to be investigated if there is not improvement in the lab values. And this is a conversation that you have to have with your own healthcare provider. As I always say, everything on this podcast is for educational purposes only. This is not a recommendation to not be taking any medicine or one medicine over the other. It's just education of factors that you need to be considering and conversations to have with your health coach and your healthcare provider. A lipoprotein A level is a simple routine blood test, okay, that can be drawn at your regular lab. And they're usually, this test is usually recommended for people who definitely have a personal or family history of early heart attack or stroke, okay? Um, It's also recommended for people who have trouble with, um, who have diseases of their aortic valve, And it's really, really important to understand if there is elevation in lipoprotein A, it may require other interventions or other lifestyle recommendations, other medications of which, again, that would be a conversation with your own healthcare provider. There is an additional apolipoprotein and that is apolipoprotein B. And as I mentioned earlier, about those other ratios. This also is another one that demands investigation of ratio. So when you're measuring apolipoproteins, specifically apolipoprotein B, that gets compared to ApoA1, so in terms of ratio. So that's a little deep into the science, but the thing to take away from this is the knowing that there is an additional biomarker and more biomarkers that I'll talk about in just a second that are important to uh, to measure and be aware of as you are designing your lifestyle changes. So aside from the cholesterol panel, Angel, what else do I need to know aside from the cholesterol panel itself? Are there other biomarkers? I'm glad you asked. Absolutely. There's something called HSCRP. It's called high sensitivity uh, high sensitivity C-reactive protein. 
HSCRP or C-reactive protein, as we call it in clinical practice, is a protein produced by the liver, okay, that is produced in the acute or emergency phase. It is pro-inflammatory. It's triggered by some, let me say this simply, it's triggered by some of the chemicals or molecules or cells, let me say, um, in your immune system. Those cells are specifically interleukin-6 or IL-6, interleukin-1-beta, IL-1b, and tumor necrosis factor. This marker is so important. This marker, CRP, actually assesses for inflammation. It is an inflammation marker. A high CRP, high C-reactive protein is a specific marker for cardiovascular related conditions such as atherosclerosis. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is you need to get a C-reactive protein <laughs> um, because that too is a really important marker of inflammation. High levels, this is the research talking here, high levels of C-reactive protein are strongly correlated to the severity of coronary atherosclerosis, atherosclerosis in those vessels of the heart. They are also associated with a greater risk of type 2 diabetes. Okay, where are you going to find high levels of C-reactive protein? Well, smoking, including secondhand smoke, is associated with higher levels of C-reactive protein. Um, you can also find some elevated C-reactive protein in postmenopausal women who are taking um, oral estrogens. So you can find that as well too. And all of these markers, everything that I'm sharing with you today is for your educational purposes only. It is for you to discuss with your health coach, which I hope you have, and your healthcare provider, your clinical healthcare provider. Because folks, let's face it, gone are the days that one person can do everything for you. Gone are the days. I don't care how good your healthcare provider is, your doctor, your nurse practitioner, your physician's assistant, whomever is providing your clinical healthcare. Gone are the days that one person can do everything and watch over everything. If you are a listener of this podcast, you know that I have said Time and time again, you need to take an integrative approach to your health care. You absolutely have to. You need more than one person on your special teams. So if you are a listener of this podcast, you know that I have said that. And I do hope you have taken massive action to get additional partners on your health care and wellness team. And I'll talk about who those partners are at the end, toward the end, when we talk about strategies for your health. Let me jump back in on one more biomarker that is really super important, and that is called homocysteine, HCY. It is regarded as a risk factor for non-coronary atherosclerosis and coronary artery disease. Homocysteine is toxic to the endothelium that I talked about in 
episode, I'm sorry, in uh, part one, homocysteine is toxic to the endothelium. And when it is increased, when it is high, it decreases the availability of nitric oxide. Remember, we talked about that in part one. You want good, healthy levels of nitric oxide because it helps to open and close and open and close those blood vessels so that you get oxygen-rich blood to the tissues. Men, if you are listening, we talked about erectile dysfunction with that nitric oxide being low. Homocysteine levels is going to be a clue that probably going to have some problems with that nitric oxide. So here's another reason to want to have that biomarker as a lab test. Homocysteine can actually impair bone health as well. And guess what? High homocysteine level, again, according to the research, contributes to, listen to this. Are you listening? Contributes to neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease and mood disorders. We're talking about depression. We're talking about anxiety. We're talking about mood disorders, your mood. Get this. There are labs that you can be doing these days to check in on why, why you could possibly be feeling so sad or so anxious or so depressed. There are labs. We're living in 2022, folks. This is personalized medicine at its best. You do want to be checking those homocysteine levels because high homocysteine level may have a direct neurotoxic effect on the brain. That's why I said this episode is so important. And I hope you are going to tune in to the next thing that I'm about to say after I review these lab testing biomarkers, because I know I mentioned a lot of science here. So what I want you to take away from this is these biomarkers. I want you to be looking for signs of oxidative stress, C-reactive protein, homocysteine level, hemoglobin, apolipoproteins, fatty acids, the cholesterol panel. We went beyond the cholesterol panel today. We went beyond just everything's fine. We took a deep dive. And if your healthcare provider is not ordering these tests, then this is a conversation you need to be having to advocate for yourself. There are also functional medicine tests that I do in my clinical practice and with my coaching clients because I want my patients, I want people in my sort of universe, my my Fit and Functional for Life community, I want your health to be optimized. This is beyond just being fine. I want you to live longer and live better with lifestyle medicine because it is possible It is absolutely possible. Gone are the days of just getting lab results and not even knowing what they mean. Gone are the days of just getting lab results and saying, I'll see you next year for your next annual physical. What? There are 365 days to go. Life is stressful. And stress has an impact on your body and your brain. You need to be having a conversation about what you need to be doing in the next 365 days until your next physical to optimize your health and well-being. You need to have that conversation. 
And that conversation may or may not take place with your healthcare provider, but it most certainly should be taking place with your health coach, your nutritionist, your registered dietitian, your physical therapist, okay, your massage therapist, your acupuncturist, anyone that you want to be on your health care team. That is a conversation to be had about moving beyond the line of fine and moving into the zone of health optimization. That brings me to the final part of this podcast, because I'm not going to give you all this information without telling you how to apply it, how to apply it to be fit and functional, not just for a day, not just for an event, but fit and functional for life. Here are my core recommendations. I want you to press pause, go get your pen and paper and get ready to take down some notes because this is important stuff. Here are my core recommendations. Number one, know that the beginning of the development of atherosclerosis, according to the research, begins in childhood. It is important to implement a heart-healthy diet during childhood for your children and throughout life for prevention. It is so important. Heart-healthy diet, what am I talking about? I'm talking about reducing those refined carbs, those sugary foods, those sweetened beverages, those starchy vegetables, okay? Reducing, 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 reducing. I'm talking about incorporating more whole grains, whole foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, legumes, healthy fats, healthy proteins. I'm a big fan of the of the Mediterranean diet. I live by the Mediterranean diet because it includes all of those things. I love the Mediterranean diet. I'm not prescribing that for anyone. I'm simply offering that as a point of reference, point of education for you. Increase dietary fiber because fiber helps to lower cholesterol and it actually regulates blood glucose levels, blood sugar levels. It helps provide um, needed probiotics and prebiotics. Good sources of fiber include whole grains, nuts, seeds, legumes. You also need to be incorporating more healthy fats because remember what I said in the beginning, this is not about low cholesterol, low cholesterol, don't eat any cholesterol. This is not about that. You need cholesterol in your body. Your cells, the cell membranes are made up of cholesterol. Your brain needs healthy fats. And that's the important thing. You want healthy fats as opposed to the inflammatory fats that increase your cardiovascular disease risk. And what are those that increase risk, those hydrogenated fats, the trans fats that are found in fried and processed foods. You want to switch all of those out for the cardioprotective fats, oily fishes, olive oil, nuts. Okay. Really super important. Next thing up, nutrient testing, nutrient insufficiencies have been associated with abnormal lipid profiles. And the specific nutrients are zinc, CoQ10, amino acids, magnesium, and vitamin C. Some people say that supplements are all just woo-woo stuff. No, zero, stop. Okay, supplements are supplements. Okay, no one on the planet has the perfect diet. No one. 
I'm going to say it. No one has the perfect diet because half of us don't even know where our food is even grown and what type of soil it's grown in and all of that. Yada, yada. Food is on a truck that's coming from a million miles away, nine times out of 10. Refrigeration storage units, keeping it cold so that it looks good until you put it in your basket. And then the moment you get home two days later, all of it's gone bad. I know because I know. (laughs) So nutrient deficiencies are real. And the nutrient insufficiencies that are associated, according to the research, with abnormal lipid profiles include zinc, CoQ10, amino acids, magnesium, and vitamin C. So you want to make sure that you've got a diet rich in those uh, substances. If not, then it makes sense to be supplementing with omega-3 fish oils because they increase nitric oxide bioavailability. They decrease those pro-inflammatory cytokines or cells that I talked about uh, earlier. NF-kappa B is one, okay? Um, Omega-3 fish oils also affect something called the NADPH oxidase system so that they decrease those reactive oxygen species or, or, or free radicals that I talked about before. Okay. Here's another supplement, astralgus. I was fascinated by this. Astralgus increases the bioavailability of nitric oxide and it increases nitric oxide production. I was absolutely floored by that in my research. Because you guys know, I do my research. I do my research. Astralagus increases the bioavailability of nitric oxide. Boom, drop the mic on that. A heart healthy lifestyle is important. What am I talking about? You want to get moving. You want to get moving and get active because guess what? Prolonged sitting can actually contribute to the development of atherosclerosis. Now, according to the American Heart Association recommendations, I generally recommend at least three to four sessions a week of aerobic physical activity at 40 minutes a session, moderate to vigorous intensity. Guys, I recently started running. Can I just tell you, I feel so good, so good when I am running. And I know it's because circulation, antioxidant going on, you know, good dopamine firing up in my brain. I am a runner now. I was never a runner until I started taking a deep dive into lifestyle medicine and functional medicine. I wasn't a runner, but you know how you become a runner? You become a runner by running. You become a runner by walking really slow at first. You know, there's, I I just want to say this. There is a community called the Slow AF Running Club. Slow AF. And I'm not going to say what AF stands for, but Slow AF Running Club. And I love this running club. I love it so much because the whole concept is you can be as slow as you need to be and still get out there and do something positive for your health. If you've not looked up the Slow AF Running Club, you need to look it up. It is just absolutely awesome. Um, So I say that to say you can be a runner at any size, at any speed that you want to be. You just have to decide that you want to be a runner. 
period, mic drop. Smoking cessation, absolutely huge. We already talked about that. Managing your stress, so huge. I've talked about that. You really got to manage that stress because wherever there's stress, there's fire, there's inflammation, there's elevated blood pressure, there's elevated shearing forces up against that endothelium that I talked about in the first um, uh, part one, shearing forces. So you really want to get a handle on that stress, folks, seriously. Last thing I want you to consider, this is a conversation that needs to be had with your own healthcare provider, is a coronary artery calcium score. My husband had a CAT scan called a cardiac um, coronary artery calcium score. It's a simplified CAT scan that actually measures the amount of calcium buildup in the walls of the heart arteries, because we were having this whole conversation about cholesterol and high cholesterol and what are the numbers and this and this. And I said, I think you should have a coronary artery calcium score done. Whoa, Angel, what the heck is that? We talked about it, got it done. Calcium score came back zero, zero. Now, does that mean that, oh, well, I can just keep eating all the cholesterol I want to eat and an unhealthy heart diet? Absolutely not. Because we're talking about atherosclerosis. We're talking about cholesterol throughout the body, head to toe and everything in between. So yeah, definitely not a license to just go berserk with your cholesterol, but it is part of your overall risk assessment in my personal practice and in with my coaching clients. So that is a conversation to be had with your healthcare provider. And those are my very heartfelt, very, very heartfelt recommendations for you to consider discussing with your providers and with those who are on your healthcare team. So folks, that's going to wrap it up for this two-part episode, The Lab Report, Beyond Cholesterol, How to Build a Stronger Heart, a Sharper Brain, and Have a Much Better Sex Life. Because guess what, folks, as I shared in part one, and as I shared throughout this part two, Atherosclerosis affects every single part of your body from head to toe and every part in between. You want to take radical, massive action on this information. You really want to take massive action on this in 2022. And I want to see you get fit and functional, not just for a day, not just for an event, but fit and functional for life. Hop on over to the show notes. I've got some free downloads for you there. I've also got the invitational link to have a conversation. It's just a conversation with me about nutritional testing, about the value of health coaching, about taking massive action. We are living in a day now where you can get support from anywhere and anyone in the world. Health coaching is one of the leading, leading resources, the leading predictors for people's health these days, leading predictors of, you know, it's a, it's a leading, let me say, mechanism 
or tool for improving your life style, improving your health, and also just learning everything you need to know about how your body functions, how your mind works, shifting your mindset, you know, learning how to believe you can when you think you can't. Health coaching is the thing now. And if these three years of a pandemic, a global pandemic, haven't taught us anything, it's taught us that good health is truly the very first wealth. You know, I have a client who often says that every little thing that we do for ourselves is like writing a love letter, a love letter to your future self, going to bed at night at a decent hour and just getting a good night's rest, eight hours of good rest. is It's just like writing a love letter to your future self. You know, exercising, Yeah, we all want to lose a couple of pounds, but just think of the value of movement. Everything we talked about today to keep that heart and brain healthy and sharp and functioning. You know, all of these things, all of these things. Thank you to my listener and my client who says this, and I truly, truly believe it and I love it. Lifestyle medicine is like writing a love letter to your future self. It really is. So jump on into the show notes, grab the free resources that I've offered you, take that step to have a conversation about how nutritional testing can help you. Not only that, take it a step further and really think about joining a community that truly believes that good health is the very first wealth. A community where we are saying yes to the difficult, yes to the messy. We are challenging ourselves. Yes, change takes time. It takes effort. It takes getting some things wrong. It takes falling off the horse and getting back on. It takes a little bit of bravery, a little bit of courage. It doesn't take being fit. It doesn't take being perfect. It doesn't take having all of the answers. It takes just a little bit of courage every single day to say yes to the messy, yes to the imperfect. Yes, I am willing to be brave, not perfect. By the way, that's a title of one of my favorite books, Brave, Not Perfect. And that's what I'm asking you today. If you are willing to be brave, not perfect. So I'm going to wrap it up with that and just say to you that I hope that this episode has been helpful for you. I hope you've gained some tips, tools, and strategies to make better decisions about your health, your sleep, your antioxidizing, your way to wellness. I hope you have gained a lot of tips, tools, and strategies to live longer and live better with lifestyle medicine. Remember that everything covered in these podcast episodes is for your educational purposes only. I would advise you have conversations with your healthcare provider to take and implement some of the wisdom offered in this podcast and apply it to your life and your well-being. I'm going to say that if you are not receiving my newsletter, Healthy House Calls with Angel, I would invite you to hop on over to the show notes, get the link for that. If you don't have access to the link to that right now, let me just say www.healthyhousecallswithangel.com. 
angelhousecalls.com. Same title, healthyhousecallswithangel.com. Sign up for my newsletter. You have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. Get in the flow of information about lifestyle medicine, functional nutrition, everything that we're talking about on this podcast. Get in the flow of information of what's happening in the Fit and Functional for Life community. Even if you are not ready to join the community, at least you'll be getting the episodes, the updates, I should say, of what's happening on my podcast episodes, what's happening in the community, free events that are coming up. You'll just get yourself in the flow of information. And that too is so super important to your health because you don't know what you don't know, right? And so it's all about having access to information that you can use and apply. Tips, tools, and strategies that you can implement right now, today in your life. So if you're not signed up for my newsletter, hop on over to healthyhousecallswithangel.com get on my mailing list. That is a positive first step for today. And the journey of a thousand miles really does just begin with one single step. So with that, I will say, take good care of yourself. Be well, be well, and be good to yourself and never, ever, ever, ever be afraid to be amazing. Take good care. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy House Calls with Angel. I hope today's episode leaves you feeling inspired, motivated, and empowered to live your best life by applying the practical tools of holistic lifestyle medicine to eat, sleep, move, and live better. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you receive this podcast, check in for show notes, and share this podcast with friends. If you'd like even more tips in your inbox, subscribe to my newsletter. Healthy House Calls with Angel by using the link in the show description. Until next time, be well and be good to yourself.